Hey everyone, welcome to Power to the People, a program on social justice issues collaboratively produced by the Central Kentucky Chapter of Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, the Kentucky Student Environmental Coalition, the Central Kentucky Chapter of Showing Up for Racial Justice, and the Kentucky Workers League. I'm Meredith Wadlington with Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, or KFTC, which will bring you Power to the People every first Tuesday. Welcome to our inaugural episode. Let's get started. We are Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, and this is our vision. We're working for a day when Kentuckians and all people enjoy a better quality of life. When the lives of people and communities matter before profits. When our communities have good jobs that support our families without doing damage to the water, air, and land. When companies and the wealthy pay their share of taxes and can't buy elections. When all people have health care, shelter, food, education, clean water, and other basic needs. When children are listened to and valued. When discrimination is wiped out of our laws, habits, and hearts. And when the voices of ordinary people are heard and respected in our democracy. That's right. You're listening to Power to the People Radio, a podcast produced by Kentuckians for the Commonwealth in partnership with WLXU Lexington Community Radio, 93.9 LPFM. Like I said, my name is Meredith Wadlington, and I'm here with Kentuckians for the Commonwealth. We're a statewide, grassroots, social justice organization that just turned 35. This is our inaugural episode, like I said, which originally aired on September 6th on WLXU, and maybe you've never heard of us. Well, you're in luck, because this episode is dedicated to telling the story of who we are, what we do, and why we do it. This weekend, we're visiting General Butler State Park for our annual meeting. The annual meeting is held yearly. Members from all across the state come together to talk about what they've been up to the past year and plan for the future. What do you mean? I'm going to take my medicine later. Our food's here. Oh, you have to eat. That's fine. Do we have the GPS? Is it loaded? I've been a member for eight years, um, and the annual meeting has always been really an important time for me to reconnect with the work that we're doing. Kind of think about why we're doing it. Why do I even go to meetings and plan events? What is this all for? And why is it important? The annual meeting, a place to come home to. This is sort of my reason for loving Kentucky. Yeah! Yeah! Yay! Yay! Friendship! Like, I don't know if you can tell, but I am so excited to be here, and I'm not the only one. Okay, I think we have too many people on my team. Oh my god, I love you. I couldn't even tell you. He said she's incognito. She's got on a hat. I was like, how are you? I'm glad you're here. For some of us, this is the only time we get to see each other all year. I'm on my own. Okay, we'll tell her that we love her. I will tell her that. It feels really good. 
even though we don't get to see each other that often, it's important to remember what everyone else is doing and why we're here. This is Princess. This is her second year. I have been involved for a little while, but I officially was, um, I officially joined in July. Yes. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how you got involved with KFTC? What was your first event, experience, uh, exposure? Um, the first time I was exposed to it was um, in an organization in Lexington. It's Step by Step. Tanya, she talked to me a little bit about it and made me interested in what what they do, what we do. That's uh, Tanya Torp. And Step by Step is what exactly? Um, it's a program for uh, young moms and just helps us get connected and have a support system and learn from each other and be able to talk to each other about what we're going through as young mothers. Princess is a single mom. She brought her son along this weekend too who performed some impromptu karaoke during our interview. So, he not a caddy. Oh, I'm going to like my feet. Not play my video games. Go on, and I know, and then just play my video game. A lot of people talk about you know, meeting like a family reunion. Having been here before, do you get that kind of vibe at all? Or um, Yeah. Like some of the people that I've met, like in the Lexington chapter, we've seen each other like once and they're like, hey, and I'm like, I feel so welcome. I know other people and I felt welcomed and loved. Same. Do you feel like being at the annual meeting makes you more connected to the work that you have going on in Lexington? Yeah, it does make me feel like I do because... Before I really got into it all, I really didn't know where I fit. I didn't know like how to meet other people who felt passionate about um, change in the community and stuff. And seeing that all these other people feel the same way and are doing their own individual work to do it, it makes me feel like I'm around like-minded people. And you know, I'm not the only one that feels like that. There's a lot of work that can be done in our communities. Because I'm still kind of new, but. Um, just to see, you know, I bring my friend with me, and she's like, she turned around and looked at me. She was like, I just, I didn't feel like that, you know, I didn't realize all this stuff was happening. I'm like, yeah, we cover it all. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't know, now you know. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm glad you're here. I always say that my journey to KFDC was lifelong. That's Dana Beasley-Brown. She's the chairperson for KFTC. We got to sit down with her and Burt Lauderdale, the executive director, to talk about how they got involved. I grew up in poverty, and my family faced a lot of economic injustice and just barriers to um, surviving. And it was clear to me from a pretty young age that um, there are a lot of things that we could do as a community, as a society, um, that could really help families like mine uh, be able to thrive. And so I wanted to be a voice for families like mine to try to help find solutions for low-income families. So I worked really hard and um, had a good education because that's what they tell poor people, as long as you work really hard and get a good education, you can be anything you want to be. So I graduated from uh, Western Kentucky University and I had a pretty uh, <laughs> rude awakening to actually 
that that's just a big fat lie. And really the world is run on it's all about who you know. And I was a nobody. And uh, my connections that I had in the social network of the world were minimum wage jobs. And that that was really my ceiling. And so I was working two minimum wage jobs um, after I graduated. And uh, But I just kept telling people my story. And um, I just was asking, you know, do you know an organization that does this? Because this is really important to me. And finally, maybe a year and a half later, someone said, I, I think you should check out Kentuckians for the Commonwealth because I think that's exactly what they do. So I yahooed probably because we didn't Google way back in the Stone Ages, KFTC's website, and I pulled up this page called Economic Justice. I did not know what that was at the time. And there was someone's story. And I, for the first time, it was like this bubble burst around me and I didn't feel so alone because I saw parts of my story in theirs and everything they were saying about the economic injustices that are in place that hold families back I, I saw those in my own life and in my own story and so I just joined right then and there I saw there was a local chapter and I didn't know if you could come if you weren't a member so I joined and and then I've just been involved getting more and more ever since so this is now um, my first annual meeting was at the 25th year anniversary, and so this is my decade of annual meetings at this 35th anniversary annual meeting. Um, I got involved with this organization when I was um, working with a housing organization in eastern Kentucky. This is Bert Lauderdale. And KFTC was uh, a new organization getting started trying to work on a lot of major issues across the whole region. I thought it was pretty interesting to um, that KFTC was trying to organize around solutions to a lot of the a lot of the housing and economic problems that uh, we saw in our other organization. Can you talk a little bit about the founding earlier today you did a little bit of a run through of our history and I think for me I think it would be good to talk a little bit about who we were in 1981 and what we were fighting for. So obviously um, Kentuckians for the Commonwealth has changed a lot since it was founded in 1981. Some of what um, some of what has changed is, though, just sort of uh, the description in terms of the size or the the number of chapters or how many how many counties we have members in. We're we are pretty authentically statewide now, with members in over 100 counties, with 13 chapters spread across more than 20 counties uh, in the state got eight offices we've got chapters in every congressional district except the far western district but in many ways it's very much the same as it was in 1981 the folks who organized the kftc even though it had a different name it was kentucky fair tax coalition it was like less than 40 people that met in hazard and said we're a statewide organization and they set out from the beginning to have this ambition that kftc would be an organization um, that would be organized around social justice, not organized around a particular set of issues. So we really, we, one of the things we like to say is that we're better understood by both our vision and our ambition and the, our approach to the work than by whatever issues we happen to be working on at the time. It's an organization that I think the, I think the founders really had um, folks like Dana in mind. The KFTC is really just a tool or a vehicle for folks who have vision for a brighter future, for, for some different opportunity, who have some real drive and ambition to make change, uh, both personally and for their community. And KFTC is there as a tool for those folks to work through and to work with.
we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, we'll hear more from Bert and Dana on where we're from and where we're going. Stay with us. This is Kate McElroy from the Southern Kentucky chapter of KFTC, reminding you to check us out online at kftc.org. There you can get plugged into our work all across the Commonwealth and find out how you can support KFTC throughout the year by becoming a sustaining giver. Your membership will always stay current and you can become a sustaining giver with a gift of any size. There's no better time than now to sign up because for all of 2016, in honor of KFTC's 35th birthday, an anonymous member will match your gift when you sign up as a sustaining member. Details are at kftc.org. Welcome back. You're listening to Power to the People Radio. And before the break, we've been hearing from Bert Lauderdale, Executive Director for KFTC, who's been giving us a little background on our now 35-year-old organization. It started with 26 people from 12 counties organizing to make sure coal companies paid taxes on the unmined coal that they owned. So the most valuable property in eastern Kentucky, um, some of the most valuable mineral property in the world, was was not taxed for the benefit of local schools for local services so you have an, you have a um, uh, a region with some of the greatest natural wealth and corporations making literally billions of dollars every year that also suffers the some of the highest quality of life impact of any any region in the country around the same time people were growing concerned about the abuse of broad form deeds under broad form deeds the coal underneath people's land was not considered their property so coal companies could extract it whenever they wanted without much regulation. The law put into place to protect landowners from strip miners was ruled unconstitutional by the Kentucky Supreme Court in 1987. We decided we'd just change the Constitution. <laughs> That's Jeff Chapman Crane. They've been in Letcher County. I've been a member there for, um, let's see, we're 35 years old, so I'm, I've been a member for 34 years. Jeff and his wife, Sharman, are the recipients of this year's Hazel King Lifetime Achievement Award. They were a part of one of KFTC's greatest victories of the 1980s. In order to bring back protections for Kentucky landowners, their fellow Kentuckians had to vote yes to the amendment proposed by KFTC members. Probably the highlight of my, my life as an activist. And so we knew that the big challenge for us was to educate people on the issue. We had six months after it was put on the ballot to before the election. And so we embarked on this major effort to educate people across the state. We, uh, we simplified the issue by coming up with a slogan that said, save the home place, vote yes on amendment number two. And I created a, a visual image of this huge bulldozer about to push all this debris and, and destroy a little home place. And so we kind of made that the visual symbol for the, the campaign, and we distributed those posters all across the state. And we, we had uh, a group of women who were just ordinary housewi housewives who toured the state, talking to any group that would listen. Uh, these were women who had been affected by this and knew it firsthand. Um, Apple Shop made a film about it called On Our Own Land. Uh, essentially, we just we just did this massive education campaign. Had no idea what kind of results we would have, um, 
But on election night, we all gathered in Heinemann to watch the results. And as those results came in one county at a time, uh, we were winning we were in Eastern Kentucky by like 80% of the vote, which we, we thought we'd do okay there. We had no idea it would be that wide a margin. But as each county uh, reported, we, we continued to win all night long. And by the end of the night, we had carried all 120 counties in Kentucky by 82% of the vote. This wasn't KFTC's first victory, and it definitely wasn't the last. And I think the reason that we've been so successful is that it's, it's never been about a particular issue. It's always been about justice. It's always been about doing the right thing and making the world a better place, making Kentucky a better place. And it's been uh, the members who have decided what those issues were going to be. Um, each chapter basically can can decide what issues they want to work on. So it's whatever issues people are concerned about in their place. And uh, I think uh, KFTC is unique in that way, in that we're a, a statewide organization that, that deals with a whole range of issues. Uh, most grassroots justice organizations sort of center around one issue or, or, or you know, a few related issues, but I mean, there's such a broad range of issues in KFTC. Over the past three decades, Jeff has used his art to connect KFTC to Kentucky's broad range of issues. Well, I think art is an extremely uh, powerful tool to change people's perspective. And when you think about a, a baby and, and the way they learn the culture in which they grow up, it's through you know, songs and, and uh stories and, and visual images and attaching meaning to visual images and, uh, you know, uh, imitating body language. So it's, it's really the arts. Uh, that's the way that we learn what we know, um, the way we learn to fit into the, the world that we live in. And so uh, if we're going to change how people think and behave, uh, I think the arts are the critical um, vehicle for doing that. This idea isn't unique to KFDC, but over the past 35 years, folks all over the Commonwealth have used folk arts, music, posters, sculptures, songs, paintings, giant puppets even, to get their message across that our land is sacred and that our communities are worth investing in and that we will not stand for injustice. with direct action and nonviolent civil disobedience and including our chance and our, um, our sign is 
um, is part of what we're doing is we're shining a light on the issue and we're communicating with the people who we know are either supportive and with us but not ready yet to maybe come in or people who are like, yeah, what's going on with this out here? So we want to make sure we're always communicating what we want, not just what we're against. It's like having that vision of what kind of Kentucky are we for. Um, because when we only stay in the anti, which we do have to explain, you know, what is going on? Cutting health care is a problem, right? That's the like, no, don't cut health care. But imagine the message of people seeing health care for everybody. You know, that kind of a message, then people see themselves in there. It's like, oh, wow, yeah, I need help here. You should have help here. You should have help here. Because how they divide us is by saying it's only for some and painting us as just a group of negative folks. So even like the amazing, powerful slogan, Black Lives Matter, is a very proactive, positive message. It's saying this is what we want. We want a country in which the lives of black people matter. And it starts a whole conversation. So. All right, we're going to see how we in this workshop from the annual meeting, facilitator Carla Wallace leads an activity on messaging for direct action, which she defines as challenging power at the source to stop an injustice. So going directly to those in power and saying, this is what we want and this is what we don't want. The messaging has to be clear, concise, and authoritative. So in this workshop, each group was given an issue, then asked to create a sign that teases out some of what this issue looks like. I will. I, I, I like to write things. Sign making parties are my favorite kind of parties. It's really not that easy. This group has the topic Black Lives Matter. They're trying to come up with some messaging that illustrates exactly what they mean by that. Okay, I guess we're going to be the artists. Alright, so I need some ideas. So we've got Black Lives Matter as our topic. Sweet. So are we going, are we supposed to be going through this? Yeah. We just get to do like just what we would bring to a protest or demonstration that would be showing a message of what we want, not necessarily what we're against. Got it. Okay. Alright, so positive messages that would radiate good things that encourage people to come join us. Yeah, or the vision that we have. Oh, yeah. Power fist. Mm -hmm. Power fist. I like that. I'm trying to think of that would be something that would be so more visionary of like what is what does the world look like when black lives matter? I guess that's the question. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> that's how the world should look like Yeah. So just like Jeff, they ended up coming up with a really simple image that illustrated what the world looks like when Black Lives Matter. Okay, so what, what qualities do we want to bring out? What, what are the things we want to write? What's our list? What's our, what's our list of things? Housing choice. Because that's a big, it's still a huge barrier. Education. Yeah, equitable education. Because we want, well, essentially we want well-funded schools that have the supports that people 
<laughs> you have been denied it. Um, but you know, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like all the, like, like you said, the housing people, like, we should all be mixed in together. Exactly. So nothing is unfair. Like, oh, you're just Okay, what's another issue? I would say, um, probably something about police violence. I mean, we want, um, we, yeah. we want to see. Oh, we don't have, we don't have time, damn. Oh, one So here's Princess. Remember, go this play my video game. Presenting her poster to the group. And um, it's in America where Black Lives Matter, right. police right. accountability, and yes, affordable housing. Yay, love it. All right. And I love how you drew out, because sometimes when people see Black Lives Matter, especially white folks who aren't aware around racial justice will be like, whoa, and you drew out what some of that means. You know, how does it impact people's lives? So campaigns can be really complicated. Let's get back to Jeff, who's sharing with us some of his work in the early days of KFTC. I created a sculpture back in 19, well, started it actually soon after the Broad Form D campaign was won. And that was in 88 and actually didn't finish the sculpture until 2004. So it stretched out over a 16 year period. It's a piece called The Agony of Gaia. and it. It's um, it's a sculpture that depicts a, a woman in a fetal position with her hands over her face and a very uh, she she's showing a lot of uh, pain and agony in her in the tension in her hands. You don't really actually see much of her face, and her body is is the mountainside that's being strip mined. Um, so I created this piece um, because I really wanted to show that the earth is more than just this source for raw materials for the industrial, um, for, for industry and, and, and that sort of thing, that it's actually a living thing that feels what we're doing and that there's a price to pay. And so I've taken this sculpture, it's, it was, it's mostly made of styrofoam because I wanted to make it very lightweight, but it's very realistic looking. Um, but, um, it was designed to be very mobile, and so we've taken it to lots of different places, and a lot of people have seen it. And I've had people tell me that um, they understand the issue of mountaintop removal in one, just by looking at that sculpture once. It just, the, the, the issue becomes so clear to them by looking at that sculpture, and that that really means a lot to me that, uh, that it's been that effective. So it's a, a good example of how art can, um, really um, change people's perspective and, and um, help people understand issues. Sit tight. When we come back, we'll hear more on KFTC's vision for the future. You're listening to Power to the People Radio with Kentuckians for the Commonwealth.
Hey everyone, this is Rachel Norton from the Fayette County Chapter of KFTC, reminding you that the Empower Kentucky Summit is right around the corner, and we want you to be there. The Empower Kentucky Summit will be the largest gathering ever of a diverse set of Kentuckians figuring out what it will take to bring about Kentucky's bright energy future. So, if you're interested in being a part of a well-informed, creative, visionary, justice-oriented conversation about building the agenda for Kentucky's energy future, join us September 30th through October 1st in Louisville. You can register online at kftc.org. Welcome back to Power to the People, a program on social justice issues collaboratively produced by the Central Kentucky Chapter of Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, the Kentucky Student Environmental Coalition, the Central Kentucky Chapter of Showing Up for Racial Justice, and the Kentucky Workers League. I'm Meredith Wadlington with Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, or KFTC. Last month, we celebrated KFTC's 35th birthday, and we asked members about their vision for the organization over the next three and a half decades. Again, here's Executive Director Burt Lauderdale. But being vision-oriented is really being future-oriented. It's really being solution-oriented. How do we do this work in a way that isn't just, isn't just um, on the defensive or isn't, uh, isn't just fighting back, but is also working towards and working towards a shared vision? And that, um, that sense of common purpose is one of, the, one of the things that makes some of KFTC's organizing um, really profound and very deep is that people have a sense across uh, enormous geographic issue, background, uh, gender, racial, uh, racial differences and divides, a real sense of common purpose. And um, that's one of the things that I think defines the, the organization. I hope that we are an organization that is diverse. Again, that's Dana Beasley-Brown. She's the chairperson for KFTC you know, intergenerational and that we don't all, it's not a, you know, progressive organization where everyone looks alike and thinks alike, that we are a place where people from all walks of life um, are coming together like we are today to really wrestle with the hard parts of, you know, what's keeping us from, you know, thriving and, and reaching our potential. I have recently uh, got a job with the, our local s school system in their youth services center at a junior high. And so I'm learning a lot about education. And there's this, I guess, term that they use in the education circles. It's called growth mindset. You either have a, a growth mindset or a closed mindset. And a closed mindset means that you feel like if you hit a barrier or you make a mistake that that means that you're not smart or uh, you have failed. And a growth mindset sort of looks at those same things. I've made a mistake, what can I learn from that? I just have not, you know, this is just a barrier that I have to overcome. It just, it's like a th three letter word that goes along with this is the word yet. And it's just whatever I'm facing, we just haven't reached it yet. And I can say personally, before I became involved in KFDC, I absolutely had a closed mindset and uh, of myself and my own potential and about democracy especially. And I think a lot of people have a closed mindset of Kentucky and our potential and of Eastern Kentucky. 
And what has, I think, been so clear to me about what can, uh, KFDC brings to our communities and to our state and really the world is that we really embrace that word yet. And no matter sort of what people try to pigeonhole Kentucky and uh, sort of our threshold of, of what we can accomplish or our communities or where we can go, we just as a organization believe that we just um, are not there yet. And whatever sort of we reach, it's, it's never a we're done. It's we just haven't gotten there yet. And that has been one of the most inspiring things that um, have really transformed me as a member. And I think that sort of perseverance and strength is really important right now in 2016 in sort of a lot of the challenges that we face and the racial injustice in our communities, the police brutality, economic inequality, you know, all the all the barriers that are keeping our families from thriving. Uh, It's the people that I meet that are KFDC members all across the state who really are working, even though we have all these challenges, uh, working together and thinking creatively about how do we meet today's challenges. Some of this creativity plays out on a large stage, in Frankfurt, in local ordinances, on campaigns that attract national attention, but sometimes it has to play out on the micro level. And maybe conversations between two people are just as important as sweeping policy change. In one of the workshops from the annual meeting, members practice having conversations about race. They. They, okay. All right. My mom told me that it happened, you know. I guess the first time that I noticed it was playing with some friends when I was maybe like 11 or 12. And um, and it it was kind of disproportionate because the white girl was rich anyway. But like, (laughs) like she had all like these awesome toys and me and the other black girl didn't have those toys. Um, And like we just like, we talked about it being a black and white thing. I think I definitely was told about it before I saw it. Like when you're like really little people like kind of tell you, maybe not as clearly as they should tell you what it's like. But um, I don't know if I, like I obviously my experience is not gonna be like yours. I'm like so direct. This kind of goes back to what Dana was saying, that in order to build a more just Kentucky, We need a diversity of people with a diversity of experiences to lead the way. And it all starts with listening. In the same workshop on racial justice, Tana Fogel shared her story about being a grandmother to young black men in Lexington. I should not have to like a school day, say every day that you go out there, if an officer says anything to you, you hit the ground, put your hands up, you know, you, you make sure somebody sees what's going on. I shouldn't have to teach them that. They shouldn't have to be afraid to go to the park and not even come home from the park. That's what I fear every day. They were at a party 
over in Tax Creek. The music was going, they was dancing, there was no fighting, no drinking, they had parents around supervising. At 1130, the police was called. The police come in a paddy wagon and 15 cars at a huge high school party. One, Xavier called and said, Granny, come get me. The police are here. The police are there. That should not have to happen. It's orderly. The neighbor was mad at the neighbor, so she called and put in a call. But you know, if you put in a call, our finest has to come. But you don't have to come with 15 cars and a paddy wagon to a juvenile. And they're not doing anything. So he looks at me, he said, so is this how it is? Even when we're doing right, we still get targeted, and we can't even go to a party and have fun. So I don't want to bury my grandchildren. I'm going to tell you what it is to live every day as a black woman with black male youth. It ain't Ferguson, it's Lexington, Kentucky. It's no secret that we have a lot of work to do, but the thing that unites KFTC members is our thirst for a new Kentucky. It might take a long time. And the thing is, it's totally possible. Here's Bert again. I don't begin to know for sure what KFTC will be doing over the next 35 years. I think one of the things that is fascinating about KFTC in the last few years is how, how much our ambition has grown. And so we have, um, from very different perspectives and different starting points, members and chapters uh, all across the state working on how do we build a new economy, right? A new economy that is just, that is sustainable. And it's, it's economy, uh, the concept of economy in the broadest sense um, about how we interact with each other, how we make decisions, what our priorities are. I think uh, that's a pretty audacious and ambitious um, goal. And it could take us 35 years to build an entirely new economy that is sustainable and just. So who knows if it'll take us another 35 years, but I think it looks like we're gonna try. for listening to Power to the People Radio, brought to you by Kentuckians for the Commonwealth in partnership with Lexington Community Radio, WLXU, which you can check out in Lexington at 93.9 FM and is always streaming online at lexingtoncommunityradio.org. Kentuckians for the Commonwealth is a grassroots organization working for social justice in Lexington and across the state. We'd love for you to be a part of our work. In Lexington, we meet every third Thursday at 7 p.m. at the Episcopal Mission House on the corner of 4th and MLK Boulevard. That's across from the Living Arts and Science Center. So right now, we're doing lots of voter registration up until the deadline of October 11th. 
to register and empower voters across Lexington. You can volunteer with us at God's Pantry Cambridge Drive location on Mondays and Wednesdays from 5.30 to 7.30 or at Lextran Transit Center on Tuesdays and Thursdays at peak hours 7 to 9 a.m. and 4 to 6 p.m. Training and materials will be provided. Contact our organizer, Beth Howard, at bethhoward at kftc.org or you can call the Central Kentucky KFTC office. That number is 859-276-0563. And as always, you can check us out online at kftc.org or look for us on Facebook at Central Kentucky Chapter of Kentuckians for the Commonwealth. And finally, we will not stop talking about this until October 11th. If you're not registered to vote, there's still plenty of time. Head on over to KentuckyElection.org for all your voter resources. Thanks for listening to Power to the People Radio, which, of course, airs every Tuesday at 3 p.m. on WLXU Lexington 93.9. Next month, we'll be featuring stories of voter registration, barriers to voting, why some people could not care less, and what KFTC is doing to try to change the conversation altogether. You don't want to miss it. See you in October.